We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 5 and 6 this morning. Moving to our third in this series from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. You could call it the seven betters. That is seven things that Solomon prescribes as being better for our souls than the alternative. We start off with a good name is better than great luxuries. And how much better it is to end our days or at the end of our days to have accomplished something worthwhile than to have squandered our lifetime in the pursuit of pleasures, in meaninglessness, self-indulgence. <clears throat> Next time he took us to look at two houses, the house of mourning, the house of feasting. The house of mourning will teach us that there is an end to this life. To teach us to number our days, that is to make them count, to make good use of them. The living will take it to heart, he says. Much more is to be learned in the house of mourning than in a noisy nightclub. We said that there were two types of feasts and feasting. Those ordained of God and those that are of fleshly, earthly, sinful nature. <clears throat> that each Lord's Day is one of those God-ordained feasts, a feast for the soul. It's also very important for us to notice two words, and that is to go. He said, to go to the house of feasting or to go to the house of mourning. He doesn't say to live in the house of mourning, but it is wise to visit, to go, to be reminded. And in thinking about this, you know, there's a big difference between contemplation and being morose. Perhaps maybe that's a word you don't use that often. Morose means sullen or melancholy or brooding. The Bible will encourage us to self-examination but not self-obsession or self-infatuation. So when we come to verses 5 and 6, we're looking at something once again. Notice he makes a comparison. And right from the beginning... He leaves no question as to which one is better, for he says it right at the beginning. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This also is vanity, emptiness, <clears throat> So the comparison starts with it is better. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song, the songs of fools. Now, first off, we're, we're presented with something here that uh, in a modern therapeutic age just sounds so awful. 
to rebuke anybody, an attempt to correct anyone, more and more seems to be something that is taboo. Yet I want us to see from the very outset, we can see the Lord Jesus in this passage. For in Revelation 3 and verse 19, Jesus says, For as many as I love, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Sometimes when you attempt to make corrections, someone you might get a reply from someone such as, I know that I'm not perfect, but neither are you. But in this case, of course, if you receive rebuke from Jesus, you can't say that because he is perfect. What about this word rebuke? Well, it's probably a good idea to, to get a, a handle on it. It's, again, a word that doesn't get used a whole lot, especially more and more it's falling out of usage because it's a terrible thing to do to the self-image of a person. But a rebuke means to reprimand, to bring a strong criticism. And through his word, Jesus will rebuke us by the Holy Spirit as it is proclaimed. In Proverbs 13, and verse 13, it tells us, He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. Very clear statement. Well then, if Jesus rebukes everyone he loves... Why does he rebuke us? Well, the first is given in the statement, because he loves us. The second reason is this. We need it. We are like vehicles, cars, with our front ends out of line, out of alignment. And even presented with a straight path, because we're out of alignment, we, we're always veering to one side or the other. There needs to be a strong correction, a realignment, if you will. And Jesus says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He doesn't say... Some of the ones I love I rebuke and chasten, but as many, that means all the ones that I love will have rebuke and chastening because that's, that's necessary. That's part of, of love. What does that say? If he doesn't love you, he leaves you alone. So what would you rather be? Chastened by Christ or ignored? I know some people would rather have it that they are ignored, but... What does that mean? David prayed in Psalm 141 in verse 5, Let the righteous strike me, and it shall be a kindness. 
let him rebuke me, and it shall be as excellent oil. Let not my head refuse it. In Proverbs 9 and verse 8 says, Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. And then if we go to chapter Proverbs 15, and notice in verses 31 and 32, the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. And he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The ear that hears the rebuke Well, they'll abide among the wise. But those who will not listen despise or hate their own soul. If we say to anyone that clearly everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it is so quick for people to say, well, yeah, but we're all sinners and God is love, so therefore, what's the big deal? Because the call is to repent and believe. That's the big deal. And if you don't heed that call, you despise your own soul. That's as simple as it gets. You can't hate yourself more or your soul more than to deny Jesus Christ. That's the most hateful thing anybody can do to themselves. Because it will condemn them forever. That's the contrast that was given to us. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. In Proverbs 17 and verse 10, rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. Wise men, wise men and women are necessary. They're getting harder and harder to find. But young people should seek out, for sure, I mean, it's biblical for the young ones to seek out the wisdom of the wise. You have people like Miss Joyce, she's been married 105 years. If anyone can give you information and instruction on how to keep a marriage together, I imagine she has some helpful hints along the way. But you see, the things have changed, and, and so much of the, the way people look at things anymore, well, we don't really need to talk to the wise people, we'll just Google it. I'm sure there's a video on YouTube that will help. Proverbs 27 and verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Those who love us will seek to correct us, to help us, 
But those who flatter us when we are going the wrong way, they're an enemy to ourselves. They're deceitful. As we go to the next part of what he is saying, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise, notice the comparison, than for a man to hear the songs of fools. Wow, what a contrast. The songs of fools. In Proverbs, or Psalm 69, verse 13, refers to the songs of drunkards. About the same thing. What is in the heart of a song of a drunkard? Basically, trying to escape. There is an advert, a, a commercial, that is run consistently, especially during the uh, local evening newscasts, for Harris Teeter grocery stores. And in that commercial, there's a song that was made famous by Judy Garland in a movie from the 50s. That's not it. <laughs> Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy. I'm going to chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, be happy. Get ready for the judgment day. By the way, that's one of Miss Shirley's favorite songs. Ask her about that. Hey, look at that. He said, okay. Get ready for the judgment day. Well, for us, if we believe, the judgment day can be a very happy day. And we should not be afraid of the return of the Lord. I am really amazed at the amount of fear that keeps being driven at us by those who think that they're helping us as believers by saying, you better be afraid when Jesus comes. Why? Why should I be afraid when Jesus comes? I should be, of all people, the most happy to see him. Anybody who believes should be in that category. There should not be fear when Jesus returns in the heart of a believer. Why? Because we're told to pray for it anyway. So when we pray for it and he comes, we just say, oh, I didn't know what I was praying for. The only ones who are afraid are the ones who don't know him, who have spurned him. Those are the ones that cry out for the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from his presence. But for us, it ought to be a time of enjoyment. So yes, yes, there is that kind of aspect, but forget your troubles. Just be happy. What was that song from a few years back? Don't worry, be happy. They don't think about anything. Most, so much of entertainment is really merely just escape mechanisms. And there are more of those than you could really count. If you don't like reality, no worries. There's virtual reality. 
if you think that you're a failure and a fraud, no problem. Step on those glasses and you can be the hero of your living room. You can be a hero without leaving the house. That's an amazing thing. Or as we're hearing more and more about AI, which in the cattle business has a whole different connotation to it than it does in the computer area. They both begin with artificial, but one is totally different than the other. But artificial intelligence. There are many people who for most of their lives, their intelligence has been artificial. <laughs> Do you know, you can be in the White House and never have written anything yourself. Never have studied anything yourself. You say, oh, well, you know, we, we're very, we care a whole lot about Why? Because your advisors here said you need to say to people you care about these things. Well, yeah, we'll get up and give a good, good speech. Well, we haven't seen that in a while. But anyway, where's the speech? It's on teleprompters, left and right, if you can follow it. Well, what about this bill or this legislation? Yeah, these people, especially these lobbyists, helped write it. I didn't really write it, but I'm going to promote it. You know what's in it? Not till after I read it. Which will be when? I don't know. There's a thousand and five pages. We're used to artificial intelligence. Not perhaps the same that we are talking about today, but this, the fact of the matter is the whole world is opening up for people to do nothing and still get something. A student who doesn't study can produce a paper. The songs of fools please the flesh, but injure the soul. And so it's possible I can hear someone thinking, well, it's just like last week, isn't it? We are not supposed to be happy. Is there nothing for us but daily correction? Well, <laughs> we do need daily correction, but... That's not what's being taught here. Rather, we are to look at what the source of our happiness is. Informed happiness is much better than deformed illusion. Notice he, he uses an illustration of the crackling of thorns under a pot. And the first thing that came to my mind was trying to have a sustainable fire with sweet gumballs. Oh, they'll blaze and they'll make a, a lot of noise, but they won't produce hardly any heat. And they'll burn out very quickly. And so nothing really useful is produced. Now, I know that on the, on the web and in various places, the, uh, the app TikTok has become very, very famous and is 
and people are constantly on there watching videos and I understand I haven't I've never been on TikTok so I'm kind of ignorant on this but I do understand that there are a series of videos on there where people are giving others dares to do something they did this they like they jumped off a building or something like that so you need to jump off the same type of a building or you need to jump onto the the bonnet of a a car that's coming towards you Video dares. And so you have a millions or thousands of thousands of others who are somewhat reality impaired that say, yeah, I'll try that too. And people look at the, well, look at this person's falling down and they're sliding down their driveway and because it's icy. <laughs> Let me send that one on to somebody else. Here, watch this person falling and sliding down their driveway in the ice. <laughs> okay, we're done. Where's the next one? See, the humor, the joy that people get out of that can't last. How many times can you see someone falling down and say, ah, that's as funny as the first time I saw it. There's much in Scripture that points us to the fact that we should be a joyful people. In Proverbs 15 and in verse 13, we are reminded that a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. How does a heart truly get merry? It is by what the heart has come to understand and to know. In verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. A merry heart, a cheerful heart, a glad heart, makes for a cheerful face. The one who is merry and of a merry heart has a continual feast. We could translate it a joyful heart. Oh, how does the heart truly get joyful? Where does true joy come from in the heart of human beings? We're joyful in the God of our salvation. That heart that rejoices in Christ, even in the midst of a rebuke, it's proof that we are His. It is in believing in Him, His person, His sacrifice, and what it provides. Justification through Christ. Christ making me righteous. That is giving me His righteousness. I appear before the Father in the righteousness of Christ. Not to ever be condemned. That's joy. That's peace. There is joy in being able to say, I know whom I have believed. 
And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's a song of joy. And it comes out of confidence. And the confidence comes from where? What we have been given in the way of wisdom and understanding from the Lord. Godly reproof may offend the flesh, but it so benefits the soul. Joy, really, true joy can only be built upon the truth. You can't have true joy in a lie. It just won't hold up. God help us then to reject what is artificial and rejoice in what is real. Help us to know what we truly need and be thankful when we receive it. Jesus said he rebukes those whom he loves. But you notice what he also does for those he loves? He gives them his peace. Not as the world gives peace, but his peace, which cannot be taken away. The same relationship with the Father as the Son has we have in Christ we have his peace. Notice what Jesus says. Well done, good and faithful servant. What? Enter into what? The joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You see, we're not to be a dour and melancholy people. And that's exactly what the evil one wants. He wants us to be that way. And so we are barraged every single day with the idea that there's chaos, there's despair, the world is out of control, the environment is being burnt up, there's no safe water to drink anymore, you can't drive your car because you're polluting the atmosphere, and on and on down the list, every single day, we are confronted with the idea that everything's out of control and nothing is good. It's a false picture. It's a false picture. And those who truly know the Lord are able to see through it and are not wringing their hands and saying, oh, what can we do? They're saying, we know whom we have believed. We know who has this world in his hands. We know who created it, and we know who is going to bring it to the end and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And so we have true joy. Every other joy will last. The world provides very shortly. It's just a very short lifespan. But the joy of the Lord is eternal. Let's stand together for prayer.